Miracy. Sort the list so that the people who pay you the most are at the top. And you can quickly see (laughs) if there are people who are not bringing you joy and are at the lower third of that list. That's where you should be looking at when you're talking about who do you let go of and make space for other people. Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. My name is Melinda Cohen. My company, The Coaches Console, has supported more than 50,000 entrepreneurs in creating their own profitable coaching businesses. Today, we're going to talk about a real problem, like a sticky wicket that all coaches face at some point in their careers. And then I'm going to bring on one of my favorite people in the world, Robbie Samuels. Now here to describe that problem, this real sticky wicket, is a question we received from a coach, well, who wants to remain anonymous. Here's what they had to say. Dear Melinda, I have a client who just isn't doing the work. She misses the appointments, sometimes without notice. She usually has a good excuse, but I realize that I don't want to work with her anymore. I want to fire her, I guess I would say. Like, it's scary, though, because I do really rely upon the income. But it's gotten to the point where I just don't care about that anymore. I'd rather fire her and open up that space to someone who values our work together. Now, before I go any further... I just want to make it super clear that we love our clients. We love, love, love supporting our clients. So I don't want anybody out there thinking we want to get rid of you or something. We're not going to be glib about this at all. And like Anonymous says, sometimes the coaching relationship just isn't working out. So the question is, if you're in that situation, what do you do? Well, Anonymous, this is something that all coaches face at some point if you stay in business for any significant length of time. So you're not alone. It's something that all entrepreneurs face. And it makes sense, right? Like you're just starting out. You might take on clients you don't love. You gain some experience. You become more successful. And over time, you want to make space for clients that you want to work with. So first... I want to talk about the signs that a coaching relationship is just not working. How do you know? Well, there's tangible signs and there's also intangible signs. And I want to cover both of those. Now you have already identified one of the classic tangible signs, which like they're missing appointments. They're just flat out no shows with no kind of communication at all. Or they're starting to get into the habit of rescheduling. Another tangible sign is if they're committing to action items on the call, like you're giving them homework, they're committing to it, and then they're not doing it. And so for all of these, there's a place for exploration of asking the client, okay, what's going on? Because the behavior may just be their resistance. It might be what I call the villains getting in their way. So there's definitely some coaching to be done around that with the client before you consider throwing in the towel. But once that coaching has happened and you've addressed those things, if it's continuing to happen, those tangible things are indicators that coaching's not a priority for them. The intangible indicators are more intuitive. The moment I stop having fun with the client, that is a big red flag that something's not right. Because I'm always a reflection of the client. So if I've stopped having fun, they're not having fun either. And I value fun highly in the relationship. 
Like the work may not be easy, but if it's fun, it's going in the right direction. So if I'm dreading a call, I ask myself, what's really going on here? And let's find out. Then I use my coaching skills to explore what that might be for the client. Robbie Samuels is a coach and the ultimate event expert in both virtual and real life spaces. He's literally written the book on networking at conferences, and he's now the go-to guy for all things Zoom. Now, Robbie, I've heard you say that you, like you have this really interesting process, and I've heard you talk about that you should fire a third of your clients as a rule of thumb. So this actually came up when I was helping a client who wanted to start doing a podcast. She was interested in doing maybe a group program or a course. She wasn't quite sure and didn't yet have the time, mental space even to think about those next steps. She just knew that she wanted there to be a change in the way she was providing services and support to clients. And when we started reviewing what her client list looked like, I was asking her questions kind of along what you were just saying, you know, which of these clients bring you joy and you look forward to working with them and which are you like, oh, it's Monday. I'm going to have to work with so-and-so. And she was very clear. It wasn't hard for her to put people on these two lists. And then I said, okay, what if you spit out a report of how much annually you earn from all of your clients and you put next to it your quick gut reaction about one, two, or three, three being, I would love to continue working with them. They're awesome people. I just like them. It doesn't even have to do with the work they're asking me to do. I just like them as people. And one being, ah, I really like, this is not the people I want to work with for a whole variety of reasons. And then sort the list so that the people who pay you the most are at the top. And you can quickly see <laughs> if there are people who are not bringing you joy and are at the lower third of that list, that's where you should be looking at when you're talking about who do you let go of and make space for other people. Okay, that's interesting. So let me just repeat it to make sure I got it. So first you go through, you know, you've got however many clients you're working with. And this works whether it's individual or group. Is that true? It does because certain groups have dynamics that you're like, oh, I don't want to, and some are wonderful. And you feel like you're making an impact. And sometimes it's about personality and sometimes it's about the kind of work that they're asking you to do. I mean, this is where it's your gut reaction if you had a choice between continuing to work with this person or not, what column would they fall in? And then the thing is, we all make choices in our lives. So if someone is your biggest client, then you're not going to let them go no matter what. We're making a conscious decision to keep them, but maybe you'll let go of other clients so that you have other space in your schedule to like, you know, respond to your business needs. Or more energy to give to that one. It's like may not be ideal, but it takes a little more effort, but you've got more energy to put in that direction. Well, yeah, so that's the scale, right? So let's say you had 20 clients that you saw throughout a year and there's no real end date. These are people that you just sort of see on a regular basis and you don't really have a point of reflection to decide whether to continue or not, which honestly, that's one of the things I do is I do six month contracts because I think that you know six months is long enough for me to get somewhere with people. But even when I'm selling that, I do say, in the first three months, we're going to do this foundational work. And then the next three months, we'll start working on the stuff that you really want to work on. And then many people will actually work for another six months or longer. So I'm already seeding the idea that we will probably continue. But there's a natural moment at the end of six months to say, well, what do you think your plans are going forward? And do you think you need help? 
And then if they say, yeah, I, I actually do need help. And it's like, okay, well then let's contract for another six months. But if they're at a place where I'm like, I don't think I'm the right person to help you, or honestly, I don't really want to keep working with them. I'll sort of let go of the contract. I'll just say, I actually, my, my calendar is filling up. I'm not able to renew right now. Like there's lots of ways to sort of give back in a coaching way. But yeah, you make a list of 20 people, you organize them by like, you kind of go through it and give a sense of like, I enjoy working with them or I don't enjoy working with them. And then you put in the dollar amount annually that you receive from working with them, sort so that the highest dollar amount goes on top. And then look at that bottom third, who's on the bottom third that does not bring you joy. <laughs> and then you're like, wow, this is a lot of emotional angst <laughs> to work with this one client. And they're not even helping my bank account. Like they're not the people I want to be associating with. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, so that bottom third, are you like, okay, they're done. I'm firing them. Off they go. Or do you first ask yourself, what could be done to turn this around? Like, is it possible to even do that? Or you're just like, okay, that's it. We're off. Off we go. Well, I think in the case of this one client I'm thinking about, the goal was for her to get two half days a week where she didn't have client calls so that she could start pursuing these other interests. That's 20% of her time. And that really comes from Google offering their employees 20% of work week to think about new ideas. And I just thought, you know, this is something that she's not given herself in more than a decade. So she needed to basically carve enough out of her client list numerically to make that space. So it wasn't a question of who to keep. It was a question of, I need to let go of X number of people in order to create space in my schedule to explore. And you know, she actually doubled her prices twice in the next year. So she was several her prices within three months of working together. And then a year after we started working together, she doubled them again. And she's attracting entirely different clients because she also built up her referral network. So when she gets the not quite right person now and referred to her, she can easily refer them to other people in her network that she doesn't feel obligated to take them on. Interesting. That's so interesting. And so it's important to know, like, what are you going to fill your time with? Is it a new, different type of client? So you don't repeat those patterns. Now, once you identify who those clients are that you want to fire, how do you actually go through firing them? Well, I think that it's usually holding up a mirror and helping them see that it wasn't the right fit for the moment. Like maybe I helped them get to a certain place, you know, and now maybe someone else needs to be better off, you know, is better positioned to serve them. And because I trust my network, if I think they would benefit from additional coaching or some other kind of service, I trust that I can identify that with them. What, what do you think you need next? And then go out to my network. Now, if they weren't doing the work, if that's the problem, which is different from the work's not ideal for me anymore. Well, now I don't want to refer them to you. If they're a person, if they're not doing the work, they're not doing the work. And that's where it's like, well, buying a gym membership does not help you get fit. You know, paying for a coach does not improve your business or your life. It's about doing the work. And, you know, you really kind of have to have that hard conversation. And again, even if you're not the right person, I still want them to be coachable before I refer them. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's say I was that person you were going to fire. Like how... Because I know there's some some newer coaches that are, they're really dreading this topic. There might be some established coaches that are dreading this conversation. Like, how would you start it if I were that person who you had to fire? Like, how would you begin that? Well, first, I would begin with being centered in who you are and your value in the world. Same way you would start a conversation 
about inviting someone to enroll with you because you you have to stand in that, like totally believe in the value of what you do and that you do have an impact on people's lives in a positive way. And that if it's not working out for this particular person that has nothing, it's not a devaluing who you are in the world, that's not reflection on you as a person or professional. I just think that we often make these very personal when it's not. It's better to just acknowledge kind of almost like, again, holding up the mirror, like what is the reality of what's going on here? And I have to tell you, one of the things I love most is something called nonviolent communication, NVC. And there's four parts to it. I notice, I feel, I need, and then there's a request, which is a, would you be willing to? And I just think it's a really easy way or easier way to bring up difficult conversations because you, it's non-judgmental. It's, I notice blank, I feel X about it. What I need is this. And then would you be willing to? And that might be part of the, I mean, it's almost like putting them on a performance improvement plan. <laughs> you know, you're like, let's just see if we can contract for another month and see how this goes. But that is a way, if you're not ready to like just say goodbye, that's a way to at least give them some homework to think about as they're leaving. You know, like, oh, my coach actually made me realize I'm not ready to be coached right now. So it's rather than them running from you to some other coach and still not being coachable. So that's one way of sort of bringing that up. And again, it's like, I'm not attached to the outcome. It's your business. <laughs> I'm really here as a guide. And if you're not taking my advice, if it's not working out, if you're not you know, doing the work, I don't take on any of that judgment for myself about it. Yeah, that's powerful right there. And I love that framework of the nonviolent communication. And when you do part with them, one of the things that I like to do is I like to leave them with a parting gift. I love to be of service. The more I can be of service, the more grounded in those conversations I can be and more truthful I can be. And so it might be an article that I've written or a video that I've created, or like you were even talking about, in some cases, it might be a referral if that's appropriate. Just something that's going to benefit them for their whatever their next step is. So I'll send them you know, a follow-up email that talks about, it's an honor to support you. I wish you success and all you do. Here's a little something from me to you. I send that as kind of, I just kind of put a bow on that whole process and close that loop. And a lot of times what I have found is I still get a lot of referrals from those people. And so what I want to say is firing a client doesn't have to be a nasty or bad process. It just has to be an authentic conversation. What, what is your experience with that, Robbie? Do you send any kind of parting gift or anything like that? I guess I hadn't done it as formally as you, but the idea of just making sure that the loop feels fully closed is really important to me. And I have sort of ongoing community, like I host a weekly event, so it's a free event too. So I make sure that they know that they're invited to continue to participate in all the activities that I'm doing. Like the fact that they're no longer a client of mine doesn't stop them from being part of any other activity that I'm hosting. And that's assuming, again, that there was no boundaries that were crossed in a way that was uncomfortable for people. But I haven't had that issue actually come up on a personal level. It's just more of like, okay, like we're moved on. I haven't had any really negative conversations around this. Most of the time, it just sort of feels like things run their course. And I think partly because I do have these six-month contracts, there's a moment to have this conversation about whether we're renewing or not. And we start that conversation about four and a half months into a six-month contract. I don't wait until the last week. We start talking about their plans for the following six months. And I don't ask the, are you ready or do you need support until we're about two weeks out 
but they've now got a good sense of what those plans will be. And they have, you know, taken more ownership about that. And I think that's helped because I've had people say, you know, I'm good. I think the more difficult conversation, honestly, has been in groups where one person is just not congruent with the other people. I've had small groups of like four and getting the right four people is always tricky. And so that's where you're like, you know, it could be one person feels they're just like further along and so they think everything's beneath them or one person's way behind. And so they're just asking a lot of questions and it's just sort of finding that I think that's again about enrollment, like proper enrollment will solve a lot of that. But I will say that the first times building groups, I made a lot of mistakes because it's about personality. It's about place where they are in their business, their career. Like, so I think you learn over time, but if one person in a group doesn't show up and doesn't commit and doesn't do the work, it really drains the rest of the group. So I always address it now as quickly as possible, just to acknowledge it's not just them. It's not just me. It's they're impacting the whole group. And so I have to speak up. And sometimes that gets them back on track. Like you said, just like acknowledging what's happening sometimes leads to better action. What I hope everybody's hearing is there's like this arc or this through line where having to fire a client, it's intentional. And we think about it in the enroll, first of all, about who our ideal client is, who we love to support and how we have that enrollment conversation using that client agreement. And then as, as Robbie just pointed out, part of the way through that agreement, checking in with them and right before the agreement is up, really giving that invitation and really paying attention to the group dynamics. There is a continuous arc to this. It's not just a, you're hired, let's work, doing the coaching, oh gosh, I have to fire you. It's way more than that. And the whole coaching relationship is very, very intentional. So I want to go back to Anonymous, who wrote in this letter and, and summarize some of the things that we've talked about. If you're in a situation where you need to let go of clients, whether or not it's a third of them, you can use Robbie's exercise on how to analyze, you know, who do you love working with? Who do you dread working with? What's the impact in your bank account? That scale of one to three and use that to identify that and get really clear on where there's no joy or little income and the ones that are sucking the life out of you and get clear on that. And how you do this depends on the person, right? Like I always like to take responsibility. If I have to have this conversation, I always talk about it's not the right fit. I'm not the right coach. And you know, you like Robbie said, you have to be blunt, but I like to let them save face whenever possible. And I leave them with that parting gift uh, just to continue to be of service to them. And then finally, take care of yourself before, during, and after this process. And that starts with you and with your coach, because we can't do this alone. And you've got to get yourself in the right place, because if you're not going to be in the right place, this conversation is going to be so funky and weird all the way around, because however you show up is going to be a, that mirror, that reflection for how the client is going to show up in this conversation. So you've got to get yourself right first. So Robbie, any parting words? No, I mean, this you've summed it up beautifully. And I think, again, the more you stand in your own value, both in the enrollment, but also in these difficult conversations, the more you can actually provide value to clients because you're either going to have them awaken to the idea that they really are committed to working with you or they will actually co-create the next step. They'll actually recognize with you oh, you're right, let's let's do something different here. And then you can give them that parting gift to kind of guide them forward. So it does not have to be 
a drawn out process or a super difficult process. And if you find yourself avoiding having difficult conversations, you're actually aiding and abetting. (laughs) You're not coaching. And then you're also making it about yourself and it's not about you. So if you're really nervous to have that conversation with a client where you think it's possible, it's time to let them go, that's making this all about you and that you should have that conversation with your coach. (laughs) Yes. But you should then move forward and have the conversation with your client. Beautiful. Robbie, thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening in to Just Between Coaches. And I got to thank my guest today, Robbie, who has like, he's got to be the busiest coach on the planet right now with everything going on. And if you want to hear more from Robbie about his expertise on connecting people or even on his TEDx talk, you can find that and much more right on RobbieSamuels.com. Robbie, thank you. I know that we're going to do this again sometime. I look forward to that. Brilliant. If you like today's episode, you'll surely enjoy the inspirational episodes over at Making It. In each episode, a successful entrepreneur will share what making it means to them and what they've learned along the way. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Danny Eney is our executive producer. I wrote this episode with Cynthia and with the support from Jeff Govertson. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, please leave us a review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. And if you have a question for Just Between Coaches, put the show title in the subject line and send it to podcasts at miracy.com. That's podcasts, plural, podcasts at miracy.com. M-I-R-A-S-E-E dot com. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself 
is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.